Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back. Today's podcast is going to be a fun one because what we're going to do is we're going to address the number one mistake, the number one mistake that agents are making now. And we're going to help you work through all the reasons why you're probably guilty of making this mistake. And when I was reading Julie's notes for today's podcast, I realized in some of these points, I'm actually, in, in some ways, I'm actually making some of these mistakes myself. Um, so I'll confess to those as we go through today's podcast. <laughs> yes. Well, that's part of uh, being a great coach is you have to be accountable to your own points. And I agree. I fall into some of these categories too. So what is that number one mistake? It is procrastinating. Ask yourself, what are you waiting for? And we're going to talk about the top 10 most common procrastinations that are causing you to lose money every single day, followed by the solution to cure you of that waiting habit that you may have fallen into. So ask yourself, what do you actually lose by procrastinating? Are you motivated by the carrot or are you motivated by the stick? Now, everybody claims that they're motivated by their goals, doing more so they can have more. Yet most don't actually get into action until they are about to lose something. That's probably, I would argue, one of the most important lessons that all of us can learn because we all kind of fool ourselves. I think it's in pop culture and the whole mindset, self-improvement, zeitgeist, dream boards, goal boards, affirmations, all the rest of it is sort of trying to put yourself into the future, imagining you accomplishing a goal. Well, here's the fact. It's almost impossible, and Julie, I think you have this Mm -hmm. memorized, it's almost impossible for someone to actually project themselves in their minds into the future uh, much beyond, what was it, 60 days or something? Not even that? 60 to 90 days. And in fact, this has been studied by psychologists, not just by, you know, coaches and real estate people. I remember an article, I think it was in Psychology Today, where they were showing the actual brain waves and brain scans of having somebody imagine themselves, say, 90 days into the future. And that brain, uh, that part of your brain that is being activated is the same as if you're asked to think about a stranger. That's how hard it is to really get in touch with that future you. Well, so here's where all this goes. If you want to have real true motivation, you need to create a sense of loss uh, before a sense of, before real loss actually shows up in your life. Because ultimately, all of us are more motivated by losing what we already have than gaining something that we hope to have, right? So... You can think of your own life. If you, for example, you know, let's say, what's the thing you want to do the least in your real estate business? Let's just say talk with a for sale by owner for some crazy reason, right? Well, guess what? If you don't talk to that for sale by owner, you're going to lose your car or you're going to lose your cell phone, which in some of you, for some of you, it's more important than your car, right? You're just going to lose it. You can't pay for it anymore. You're going to lose it for a month. Um, versus if you're going to talk to that for sale by owner, well, you know what, you're going to get some sort of award. You're going to be more motivated by losing something you already have than actually working towards something that you may or may not need or want. It's just a very powerful lesson that once you accept it, once you learn it, it's the reason that most people don't lose weight until the doctor says they have a problem. It's the reason that most people don't actually get their acts together financially until they have a problem. It's the reason that you hear a lot of people that leave lives of quiet desperation where they have big booms and bust cycles in their lives. They'll have huge amounts of success or, you know, whatever, moderate levels of success, followed by, you know, some sort of, you know, period of despair that usually results in them losing all the, the things that they gain from their, their really uh, 
their successful period, right? That is a cycle that people are uh, addicted to and it's been normalized, especially in culture and society. People like to celebrate the comeback story. Well, Warren Buffett once said, and I love this quote, he said, America loves to celebrate the comeback story. I love to celebrate the man or the woman who created the business, kept their head down and just kept building and building and building and never had any crashes. And you can act like that. You just have to realize what's truly going to motivate you is losing what you already have way more so than gaining what you hope to have. Well, what you just said gets them into action. The waiting and the procrastinating keeps them away from the action. So that's a great ramp up to our first point here. Again, the overall theme, procrastinating, what are you waiting for? Number one, maybe you're not taking action because you're certain that the market will crash soon. We still see far too much posting, especially online about this. Are you waiting because you think the market's going to crash, creating the opportunity that you think isn't here currently? You tell yourself that nobody's buying doing to, due to higher rates and nobody's selling because they're, quote, locked into their low interest rate mortgage loan. But if that's true, how do you explain the other four to five million transactions that will happen while you're waiting? Even last year's epic low sales environment, during that year, the four million homes traded hands, that's eight million commissions, and that doesn't even count the new construction closings. So you, I didn't tell you where I went to, uh, or who I met with for lunch yesterday. Yes, cliffhanger. Okay, so right, I was meaning to tell you that. So uh, you've heard of the Case-Shiller Index? Yes. What's actually called the Case-Shiller Weiss Index? Mm -hmm. Okay, so I met with Alan Weiss yesterday oh, for lunch. Oh, that's very cool. And it was very cool. Turns out he's one of our neighbors. Mm -hmm. And he was, uh, he and I obviously totally nerded out on housing statistics. I, I wish you were there, because you would have really loved it. Yes. Honestly. But one of the things we were talking about is essentially what his predictions are. And oh, he's going to start coming on our podcast once a month. Great. And he's going to give us um, essentially splices. So what he what he's created is this, what is it called? Um, a, uh, automatic value thing. I forget. There's a three-letter acronym for it's it. AVM model. -like I think it's AVM. Yeah. Model. Yeah. So what he's been able to do is able to essentially come up with a very accurate way of determining what a home's value is. But here's the thing I thought was really badass. One of the widgets on his, um, you guys can go to Weiss Analytics to see what his service is. Uh, so one of his widgets, Julia, is that you will take a virtual tour on your cell phone of your house and you'll take, you know, your, your bathrooms and your kitchens, all the rest of it. And the AI will actually give a, uh, essentially consider, take that into consideration when coming up with the value of your home and will suggest to you that maybe you need to update this and update that, paint this, paint that. So it's wow. going, isn't that incredible? That's really cool. So, it's like a listing assistant. Well, yeah. I mean, I was obviously thinking towards how to help agents, but yeah. his his uh, approach to it was essentially a consumer-facing app where essentially agents, or I'm sorry, homeowners can then keep an, uh, a real-life uh, log of their home and also what the property value is doing in terms of you know trends and whatnot. That's really interesting. Well, yeah, he doesn't have a full circle here. The, what I found really to be interesting was the fact that those would be fantastic listing leads. And so that's what he and I were talking about for the sake of our coaching business is being able to attract some of those would-be Yes. Sell or those sellers when they decide to want to sell their house because he's already you know matured this or Nate what's the word nurtured thank you <laughs> well so you're saying logically somebody who goes to his analytics site and does this drill look you know looking yeah. for the valuation of their home quite possibly would be it's, a real estate lead right it's yes. basically uh, what Zillow's um, the little there's estimate there's estimate and then there's other ones that were before that. Uh, it's that that actually works. And it and works way so more high. accurate, I'd imagine. It is, yeah. And it's being used by the government. It's being used by big hedge funds and whatever. But so he's going to consumerize it right now. So that is something that Julie and I are going to be sharing with you guys more about. It's very fascinating. Um, we're going to be introducing him hopefully soon to EXP too, because maybe that could be an EXP exclusive, um, you know, 
lead generation tool for EXP agents. By the way, uh, EXP, that's been one I've been spending most of my time on the last couple of days because a lot of you are interested in joining EXP. Julie and I have been uh, proudly associated with EXP Realty for going on five years, and it's been one of the best business decisions we made. And if you like this podcast and you've learned to have a relationship with Julie and I that's built on trust because you know we're always going to give you the straight scoop, here's about a straight scoop as I can, I can give you guys. EXP Realty, when you use EXP Realty for all of its benefits, really does change the game. It's a wealth um, multiplier like nothing I've ever seen. Of course, there's revenue share, but there's also the size of the cap. There's definitely ways for you to invest in the company. You're given stock, all these you know stock awards and all these other benefits. Oh, by the way, there's an, op- uh, an opportunity for healthcare, things like that. EXP Realty is without a doubt the best, most focused agent-centric brokerage we've ever come across. And it's funny too, when um, Glenn introduced the model 15 years ago, Glenn Sanford, there were no competitors. Everyone said, what is this online thing? This is all crazy. Now everyone is coming to market with essentially their own ripoff version of eXp, but none of them are able to copy it at the same level because of the fact that frankly, the revenue share and other things are so generous to agents. Anyway, long story short, if you're interested in joining eXp Realty and you're looking for a sponsor who's going to be very proactive in your success at eXp Realty, we are formally applying for the job of being said sponsor. So please text me directly at 512-758-0206. 512-758-0206. And again, it's 512-758-0206. Text me if you're ready to choose a sponsor and you want to continue this conversation. Otherwise, there's a link below to learn more about our eXp Realty group. And uh, guys, this is definitely the direction that all of you should be going no matter where you are in your career, no matter whether you're a new agent or a really seasoned veteran agent. Have your eyes open to the opportunity. It's one of, like I said, it's one of the best business decisions Julie and I've ever made in our 25 plus year a, a real estate career. So stop procrastinating. Do yeah, what exactly. Tim just asked you, right? Back to our procrastinating topic. Number two, you might be waiting for the inventory fairy to sprinkle the right new listings into your MLS. I should ask ChatGPT to create me an inventory fairy icon or something. But don't wait for the inventory fairy to sprinkle the right new listings in your MLS so you can finally get some buyers in contract. This also means that you're waiting on your buyers to see something in the drip that they want to buy. Well, when that happens, you're also counting on them being competitive because we still have a three to one ratio of things that are closing. There's three offers at least. That's nationwide for everyone closing. And get this, 31% of last month's closings were new construction. Are you finding inventory or are you still addicted to using just your one tool, your MLS? So you can refer to our podcast and certainly premier coaching sessions about how to find inventory additional ways, not just your MLS. Now, number three on your procrastination list, you might be waiting for your next deal to magically materialize from your center of influence, your past clients, that's your database. Now, you've always lucked out in the past. Surely something will happen soon. You're waiting. What happened to all that FOMO that was out there, fear of messing out? Well, here's a question to be introspective about. Today, if we call you, do you know which people in your database actually have to move in the next 90 days or less? Do they know what their home is worth in today's market? Who just got relocated, had a baby, became an empty nester, or just wants to cash out their equity? It's not no one. Do you know who those people are? And of course, the quote from Wayne Gretzky plays in here. Procrastination is one of the most common and deadliest diseases, and its toll on success and happiness is heavy. I have to say, Julie, the last two points you've uh, read, those points are all really uh, only going to 
be uh, satisfied if agents are willing to pick up the phone. Absolutely. Because I wonder how many of you guys are listening to what Julie just said and you're thinking, well, I'll email them, I'll text them, I'll run a campaign, my funnel will take care of it. Or they'll call when they're ready. Exactly. Those are all the types of thoughts that people have that want to essentially be procrastination. By the way, procrastinating um, is just another form of being lazy. That's if we're being honest. Yeah, that's the word. But no, being called lazy is rude. Saying I'm a procrastinator somehow is, you know, socially okay. But, you know, no one's going to say I'm lazy. But it is just laziness at the end of the day. So accept the fact that if you want to really have a competitive advantage of this marketplace, you have to be doing what other people aren't willing to do. And you have to do it when you don't want to do it. And you have to do it at the highest level. And in this case, it's going to be picking up the phone. So you might have a killer CRM, a ton of centers of influence and all the rest of it. Pick up the phone and call them. If, you know, if you're looking for scripts, just use our scripts that are on the website when you join Premier Coaching. The link to join Premier Coaching is down below in the show notes. And yeah, that's the, that's the way forward. Do what other people aren't doing and you'll have an advantage that they'll never have. They're waiting around for that center of influence person to call them, email them, whatever. Well, you're picking up the phone and you're calling and you're actually making contact. Oh, it turns out, Bob, thank you for calling. We were just thinking about selling the house. Or we, there is a new construction project that we're going to go visit this weekend. Maybe you can come over with us. That's how it works. Very well put, 100%. So point number four, or procrastination number four, to cross off your list and stop doing, you're waiting for your videos to get somebody to list with you. You just keep on cranking out those TikToks. Maybe you just don't have enough of them yet. Yeah. How is that working out, right? And, and you know, what agents will say is like one lead once would justify keeping on doing that and procrastinating, but stop counting on that. The problem ultimately with all the branding stuff is that there's so much misinformation out there that's reinforcing more branding stuff. Sure. Because no one actually asks someone who's talking about how they get all their leads from XYZ social media source to prove it. And if they were to actually prove it, what they would find is in most cases, they are indeed getting leads from social media, but a lot of them are low-end buyer leads and or which you guys, if you know, I'm not discounting low-end buyer leads if that's what you're after. Or what they really are, are there leads that are maybe coming from, um, like, if you see a more seasoned veteran agent, someone's been in the business for five years and they're saying they're getting leads from Facebook, what they're doing is they're communicating, like, or, you know, Instagram, they're using the Instagram communication app, Messenger, and they're actually just basically, that's their form of communicating. And when uh, the center of influence and past client person wants to communicate with them, they, they hit them up on Instagram, that kind of thing. And so the agent says, well, I got the lead from Instagram. You guys get it? So what they're doing is they're they're confusing an actual lead that came from a marketing branding effort on a particular platform with essentially a center of influence that would have called them had they had the phone number kind of thing or you know something like that. So when you really break down and really are honest with yourself, when you write down the deals, let's say you've done 20 deals, if you go and you actually uh, ask and you almost have to ask the, the lead or the buyer or the seller twice, why did you originally call me? Now, some of them you'll know because you know them from the gym. But others, you're going to say, well, that one came from Facebook. Well, I challenge you to ask that person who said when you asked them initially that I found you on Facebook or whatever, ask them, well, why were you searching for me on Facebook? How did I come up? You know, and then you're going to find out, oh, well, you know, um, you know, so-and-so told me to call you. Or, you know, we met years ago. Or I know you're whoever, that kind of thing. Then you're going to start realizing the truth about marketing and branding. So ultimately, you have to really wrap your mind around this. Proactive lead generation, passive lead generation. We're advocates and we coach and train you guys to do both. So we do our advocates of the branding and the marketing. I know this sounds confusing, but let me make it really, really clear. If you're doing the proactive lead generation, if you're doing the calling, the direct contacting, if you're actually doing the real work of real estate and you're doing the passive lead generation, the marketing, the branding, that's going to reinforce um, the proactive lead generation. So if someone's, if you're calling, for example, an expired seller 
who has no relationship with you, no tie-in with you, no whatever, and you set an appointment, you follow our script, you set an appointment, you pre-qualify them, you're going on the listing appointment this afternoon, and that person pops on your socials and reads more about you on your socials and likes you because you guys have similarities, well, that's a smart move for you, right? So that's how you're supposed to see all this uh, marketing and branding stuff. It's to reinforce doing the proactive lead generation. And if you get really, really good at the proactive lead generation, guess what? The marketing and branding stuff becomes less important because your brand, who you are seen as, your reputation is the person that gets home sold and nothing's going to generate more leads for you than, be, than past success. That's very well put. And it also creates a lot more control when you do it that way. You can create some predictability that just doing the social media doesn't give you. Well, there's a reason why the biggest brands in the world don't advertise. Mm -hmm. I mean, Apple doesn't advertise. True. Ferrari doesn't advertise. Nope. You know, th there's a reason why they don't advertise. There's a reason why they don't market. And if you guys are thinking, well, what are you talking about? I see their stuff everywhere. Other people are talking about them. <laughs> that's, it's that's advertising what's... for them. Exactly. Just like having sold signs in the yards advertised for you. Yeah, exactly. Centers of influence past clients. Yes, that's right. All right, number five. Now, this is one that you can cure immediately. Are you waiting for a call back from fill in the blank? Your leads, your database, we just talked about that. The other agent, the home inspector, the appraiser, the mortgage guy, waiting, waiting, waiting. Now, I have to say that this is something that we have by and large cured our coaching clients of. In Premier Coaching, we talk about be proactive, be the one who's communicating, try to over-communicate. If somebody texts you, call them back. If they showed up in your email, on your social media, call them back, pick up the phone. I have to sh give a shout out to Jenny Wells in uh, Hilton Head, South Carolina, because she's so good at this. She does not let anything sit on her desk. She goes after it, she calls it, and she's okay with the answer being no sometimes because then she can cross it off. Maybe it's not just not now. They don't need her right now. That's one less thing she has to do. She's not waiting around for somebody to call her back. And when you call somebody back versus doing it digitally, it's a hell of a lot easier, A, to build trust at a higher level, B, to really set yourself apart from everyone else they're dealing with in their lives who does everything digitally. Um, but C, and the real reason is, is it gives you really a great opportunity to talk with them and you know, ask them nicely who they might know who's thinking about buying or selling that they should be helping in this market. You can actually ask for business because you're proving yourself worthy of them sending referrals referrals because guess what? While everyone else is texting and emailing and messaging, you're actually doing the real work and you're picking up the phone and calling. Well, that's an excellent point because when you're just doing something digitally, you don't have that extra follow-up right. where you're asking for referrals. You just have your one-off text or email or what have you. Which the text aspect is you can throw in emojis and you can throw in little you know, LOLs sure. and all the rest of it. I mean, it's definitely a more efficient way of communicating, mm -hmm. but it's certainly not as intimate and it's certainly not as personal. It's just one tool in the toolbox. Right. It's maybe not your dominant one. So procrastination number six, you're waiting for your scripts to be perfect. Just 10 more role play sessions and you'll be ready to pick up that phone. But guess what? When you practice with real people who have real, trans real reasons to transact, your scripts improve so much more quickly because you're having that back and forth. You know, it's one thing to be doing that with a fellow real estate person that may be giving you kind of a predictable role play. But do it with people who actually, you know, call up for sale by owner that can actually give you an appointment that will make your scripts better instantaneously. You guys get that little subtle point that she just said? And I get the reason that it, it, the little role playing obviously makes sense. Uh, but when it becomes a lifestyle and you use up all your time that you set aside for proactive lead generation role playing, opposed to actually having conversations with real sellers, the best way to role play is, well, I mean, when Julie and I got in the business and we sold over 100 homes our first year, half of which were sellers, we didn't role play at all. Matter of fact, we didn't even have really organized scripts. We sort of just figured it out. And once we started getting better at it, then we started studying it for other people around the country. 
But there were no role play partners with the exception of the seller that was oftentimes on the other end of the phone or obviously on the other side of the door. That's going to put you into a pressure, into a pressure situation that's going to force you to get really good really, really fast. Yes, that's very true. What's interesting about that is if you think about our scripts that we used, you know, you use scripts all the time, sometimes on purpose, sometimes what you've come up with in your own head. The scripts that we used on, say, year two versus the scripts that we used by year four or five, naturally they progress, they get more efficient. Yeah, definitely. You get better at what you're doing, but that doesn't happen if you're just waiting around, you're tweaking them, you're you know, role-playing with other agents, et cetera. I, I'll tell you, what it makes me think of is, you know, I'm doing this Duolingo thing that I committed to. I'm on day 60, by the way. <laughs> on my 300 and somebody keeps on telling me 366 days thanks to the leap, leap day, year. right? Yeah. It's not just 365-day streak. One of the things that Duolingo, that's a, a language learning app, one of the things that it does, to your point about scripting, because scripting is even harder in a different language, right, is it, it starts to time you as you get better and it gives you a little reward points. It actually says, okay, you completed, you get an extra 20 points or something when you completed it, not just accurately, but in three minutes or less. That's exactly the same as talking to a real world lead. You know, the first time, then the second time you get better, you get more efficient, you're learning. Well, you don't, and again, it's worth grinding on this point just ever so more, ever so slightly more. You don't want to be embarrassed. You don't want to be rejected. You don't want to look like a fool. That's the reason you're going to get really good at it really, really fast. I mean, the old way of saying it would be basically throwing yourself into the deep end. Sure. You're going to learn how to you know, go from a dog paddle to a full-on swim really soon, or you're going to drown. I mean, that's really, honestly, if you want to really shorten the learning curve, hey, guess what? Do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. So let's go on to the next yes. point. All right. Very, very well said. Number seven, you're waiting until you get back from vacation which doesn't start for two weeks. You wouldn't want to have a deal happen while you're away now, would you? Now, here's the thing about this. There's actually two points embedded in this one. First one is the waiting part. Don't wait. You, it's better to create the business and the opportunity, even if you have to mess your schedule around a little bit or do a Zoom call. Maybe you know, you're, you're on a flight tomorrow and you have to do a Zoom from a hotel. Don't just procrastinate it. Second point is, I think all of our grizzled veterans know this, and I hear about this at least three times every week from my own elite coaching clients. When you go out of town, something's going to sell anyway, so why bother procrastinating? You know, those of you who have listings, I know I talked to the Kenmores last week. They're building up to 50 listings again, right? Nice. Yeah, that's their new magic number because their market slowed down a little bit. They're subject to some rates. So That's and, crazy. So they were going from like a uh, listing inventory of five or less to now 50? I would say... 10 or less, and then it, I'm sorry, it was five or less during the pandemic, then it became about 10 or less to do between 350 and 400 transactions. So think of the pace in which they were cranking deals. So that tells me that that major employer, the Haverford nuclear power plant thing must be no longer adding employees. Well, that, and I think Boeing is out there. Some, there's oh, some other yeah. things. Interesting. But also, you know, their market is full of first-time buyer stuff. And mm -hmm. so they are more affected naturally by higher interest rates. And instead of procrastinating, kudos to them. In the past, I'd say it's taken them four to five months to go from about an average of 15 actives. They got it up to, I think we got to 46 for a split second. Guess what? They went out of town and 10 of them sold. <laughs> and, and they had been averaging like two or three sales. Go out of town, guaranteed something's going to we sell. We need to get them on the podcast. Definitely. Did, did you send me your list of elites so I can invite them yes, all? Yes, and they're definitely close to the top of the list. Okay, yeah. well, yeah. Recent, we, we recent... need to do that. Resend it to me so I can reinvite everyone. We're, we've been doing uh, a whole bunch of interviews. I think I've got five or six done of some of our top producing uh, coaching clients and a lot of people also in EXP. We're going to be sharing with those 
interviews with you guys shortly. I'm hoping to get like 30 of them done so we can have a whole bunch to start. It's going to be a new channel inside of our podcast. But man, I love doing those interviews. Well, you do an awesome job on those. Oh, thank you. Well, it's revisiting old friends in a lot of ways, you know. It's crazy. Some of these people we've known for decades. Yes, and and I like doing the, you know, some of them you have had previous interviews and seeing that transformation, what's different now than a few years ago, perhaps. So point number eight, are you waiting to find your big why? Well, we could do entire podcasts on that. You haven't found your passion in the business, so you're not feeling motivated. How long are you going to wait for that to just hit you one morning when you wake up? It's not going to happen. And we could talk forever about that, I but I, I don't want to, you know, grind that too often. But really, I'll give you the punchline to all of this, and it's unfortunate uh, that so many of you have been taught to believe this, that you can't be successful at something unless you have passionate, uh, you're passionate for it. Well, the, the problem ultimately with that line of thinking is your emotions will always betray you because passion is a fleeting emotion. It's not designed to uh, you know, be omnipresent in your life at all times. So if you're only going to do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it, at the highest level when you feel a certain way. And that's how most people operate. Like I'm only, I'll, when, I, when I feel a certain way, then I'll do the, I'll call that frisbee or I'll call that center of influence a past client. I'll go to the gym. Well, you're never going to do anything because of the nature of how emotions work. And the real interesting trick to all that is when you start doing, again, sorry for repeating this so, well, no, I'm not sorry for it. Hopefully you guys are listening. When you do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level, what happens is you start taking control of your emotions because you're going to, first of all, resist doing, it's like when Julie and I go to the gym, we never want to be there. We, we you know, hate it pretty much for the first 15 or 20 minutes. And then the endorphins start kicking in and then you start actually deriving some form of you know perverse pleasure from torturing yourself with kettlebells. And then sure enough, what happens? You're proud of yourself for having done it. Well, the same thing actually happens with all aspects of life. So if you're waiting to feel a certain way before you start engaging, doing an activity that you really don't want to do, you're never going to do it. Start doing the activity. And then uh, let's just use the one that most of you are avoiding, actually picking up the phone and having calls with folks. Start having the calls with folks. And then you'll find somehow magically the uh, your inner state, your emotional state, your mindset, dare I say, starts to shift towards making more contacts because you're realizing that it's a very almost um, it because you're seeing yourself overcome something you didn't want to do. You're proud of yourself and you're also starting to see the results and you're going to start adding it up in your head that oh, I call 10 more people. I probably need this many more leads and then your world's going to shift. But the key for that a type of permanent change to your mindset is the continuation of the activity, not just doing it once, which ultimately swings back to the idea that if you're waiting around to feel passionate about something, you're never going to do anything. That's for sure. Can you imagine how infrequently we would toss the kettlebells around if we did it when we felt like it? It'd be pretty much never. (laughs) Well, I mean, again, it really is worth... So if you are uh, someone who has been raised on a steady diet of this mindset, Mickey Mouse, about you have to be passionate about something to be successful, here's another thing to think about. There's nothing... Like, if you're really passionate about... It doesn't matter what it is, art or music, like Julie used to be a professional musician, or it doesn't matter what... After a while, you're going to lose your passion for it. It's going to become monotonous, boring, especially if you have to do it as part of a job. The thing that you once derived massive amounts of pleasure of, maybe it was making, I don't know, pottery. All of a sudden, you have to make 10 pots today because you have to sell them at the market tomorrow. Well, I assure you that the nature of your relationship with that passion is going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be dramatically changed instantaneously. That's unfortunately what happens to a lot of people who think they have to feel passionate about something and be successful at it. It just is an elaborate form of procrastination of being lazy. That's really what it is because you're never willing to put in and never putting in the real work to become the best form of yourself as a real estate um, you know, practitioner because of the fact 
that, oh, you know what? I was on my way to becoming amazing at real estate, but I lost my passion. Yeah, cut that out. A very excellent synopsis of that point. Thank you for that. And if you want to read more about this, you can certainly read the chapter we did in the Harris Rules book all about that. So point number nine, you're waiting until mortgage rates come down. Well, might interest you. I have to go facting here. Meanwhile, more than 32% of transactions are closing with all cash. That's up 2% from last year and is currently a record number ever of transactions that are all cash. In addition to that, lenders are offering free refis for people that do get financing who are closing with rates that are maybe a little bit higher than they would like. So the saying, of course, is date the rate, marry the home. Well, why are those people coming up with all cash? Because they've been buying, they've been essentially, it might be their third home that they're buying and they've had previous homes that have appreciated and that's where they've got the cash from. So if you, if your buyers are hesitant or maybe even you, dear listener, are hesitant to get into the game because you're waiting for rates to go down, you got to understand that real estate is going to continue to inflate for the rest of your lives. It's pure supply and demand. It's the sheer number of humans that want to buy real estate and the next like 10 to 20 years, if not the next 12 months. It's extraordinary. There's never been this many Americans in the housing game that there are now. So real estate, it look, avoid all the political drama. The simple fact is inflation isn't going away. But even if inflation on consumer products subsides, inflation or appreciation on real estate, trust me when I tell you, listener, it's just getting started. That's true. And you know, over the past just three years, nationwide, so the average that home values have gone up is 47%. Alan and I talked about that. That's and we amazing. Were ta- yeah, we were talking about the fact that like of all the homes, it's so funny when people argue with us on comments on Instagram and on YouTube, but half of the homes, you guys can argue with uh, Case Schiller, uh, Weiss, and you can argue with Alan, we have him on the podcast because he confirmed our statistics. Half of all homes in the United States, like 47% are owned outright. The other half of the homes have mortgages, something like 90% have rates that are less than like 4.2% or something. And of all the ones with mortgages, they have something like 50% equity on average. That right there, if you don't understand those four little statistics, um, you're going to you're gonna be easily, I think, manipulated by people that are trying to convince you that there's going to be some kind of housing crash. I know that's not in alignment with your points, but there's no way there's going to be a housing crash based on those statistics. It's actually impossible. He was telling me, I think in the, he said in the 30 major metros that he tracks, he was like, you know, he, he was kind of giving me a point with a little bit of, um, I, I think he thought I was going to be kind of shocked. He goes, he goes, well, I'm actually expecting there to be something like 50% or a 5% price drops on average. He goes, it's nothing severe, nothing to worry about. And I go, so help me understand. So you're saying the homes are going to be worth less than what the sellers paid for them when they originally bought them. He goes, oh no, no, no. He goes, it's so, so you're telling me that they're going to sellers on average in these major metros that you're worried about, that they're going to lower their prices on average by 5%. And he goes, yes. I go, that's called normal real estate, especially into a new year where sellers are basically overpricing. We call that aspirational pricing. So that's a big nothing in the real estate business because people, sellers always raise their prices. But his perspective was, well, we're coming out of this market where sellers were expecting it over asking and all the rest of it. But guess what? The reality of it is, is if someone prices their home 5% overpriced and they have to lower it 5% to, be, to match the market, who gives a rat's ass? That's called normal. It is, it is literally called normal. In fact, there's a statistic that shows a very long um, history where even in a normal market, so if you blend all of the years of, of tracking this, statistically 30% of active listings have a price reduction of some sort before they actually sell, 
regardless of anything else, interest rates, what's going on politically, what's, you know, any of that. So it is quite literally normal. But it's how you frame it too. Because if you if you don't know what you just said, right. you're going to take the other statistic and you're going to, oh my gosh. And you can imagine all the ridiculous headlines they're going to spin out. Prices are down by 5%. Uh, oh Lord. Yeah. I know. But that happens all the time. It happened yes. last year too. Oh, you know, there's going to be, CNN's going to come up. Major price reductions across the country for homeowners. Whoa, what? No. Major price reductions? That's a major price reduction? It's like, no, that is not a major price reduction. That's just a little bit of an adjustment. Who cares? It's like a, a reality adjustment. <laughs> exactly. Right? All right. So our final point today, number 10, you're waiting for your listings to sell. What we we're just talking about. Well, what three things are you doing differently now that the market is more calm with fewer buyers? Are you still expecting 20 offers and 10% over list? I'm sorry that you're only going to get three offers that are 5% over list. Or you're going to sell it for less. Yeah. yeah. So or, if you're or, not getting that, you've got to be more proactive on those listings that are presenting that way. Or boo hiss, Mr. Seller. You actually have to sell the house for 98% of the list. By the way, you're still walking with 50% equity. Exactly. I know. <laughs> Poor you. So Buddha said, the trouble is that you think you have time. Think about that when you're procrastinating. So here's the solution. Take massive action starting today. Do five times what you think you need to do to get the results you desire. Five times the open houses, five times the contacts, five times the pop buys, the expired calls, the new construction visits. Stop waiting and make it happen. You've got this. So remember your affirmation. I'm a doer. I do things now. I get things done. That is your anti-procrastination affirmation. And if you're still wandering around the wilds of real estate, lacking focus and direction, obviously you need to be part of Premier Coaching. So go to premiercoaching.com, sign up today for free. Uh, by the way, don't wait to do that. So what I've been procrastinating now that I so most listeners listen about 75% of the way through the podcast, they don't listen to the very bit. So I know I can admit what I've been procrastinating towards. No, you got to listen to this too. Okay. All right. So what I've been procrastinating towards is we need to retool uh, Premier Coaching. Okay. And I think what I want to do is I want to make Premier Coaching, I, and I'm working through this, right? I have to sell you on the concept. Mm. But I want to start making this thing so that it, you and I, it's a 90-day program opposed to a 12-month program, okay? Uh, it's going to be a flat fee. They're going to get the daily semi-private coaching call. And then once a week, you and I are going to do a mastermind with all the people that are in it. But here's the caveat, so that we're not overwhelmed and so our staff isn't overwhelmed um, because it's going to be a way higher level of personal service from everyone that works for us then I, we're going to limit the number of people that can enroll to like 60 or 70 people. And that we're only going to open the door for the program every uh, quarter. That's what I'm, I'm thinking. I'm down with that. Yeah. But, you know, we'll have to retool some things and, and systematize that. But certainly, I, I think that would be fun. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I think that's the next, next, next natural step in our progression for the Premier Coaching product. So good. Well, that was easy. I talked Julie into it. <laughs> More on that soon. I like to wait to the, until the end. That's You're right. like a coaching client that lays some bomb on me with five minutes to go. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys have a fantastic day. Remember, there's literally thousands of past podcasts available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, everywhere you can possibly imagine. Um, and thank you for keeping this number one list to daily podcast for real estate professionals in at least the United States. It's always been our pleasure and always will be our honor to be part of your lives. You guys have all become part of our lives as well. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's really a we have been ha more and more of you are you know coming to visit us in Puerto Rico or we're seeing you at real estate events. And I, I have to say it's always shocking to me when people say you guys are just like you are on the podcast. Well, of course we are. There's no you know. 
There's no stage version of Tim and Julie and then Tim and Julie. We really are this focused, really are this nerdy about doing everything it takes to help you guys become the best version of yourselves as real estate practitioners. In the meantime, you have a fantastic day. And, ha- uh, and remember, listen to those past podcasts. Have a, a great day. And remember to give us five-star review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. And if you're over on YouTube, please do remember to subscribe and give us a great review. Thanks. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.